Welcome back to the Wisconsin BHA Report. This is your host, Bill Kepke, and this episode is all about pheasants forever, R3, uh, what exactly farm bill biologists are, and we dive into their uh, upcoming events for habitat hikes. So hope you enjoy. Quick reminder, we have the pint night coming up on the 13th, Tuesday the 13th at... Um, the Great Dane Brewery in Wausau, Wisconsin, so make sure to check that out. That same week on the 17th, we have our river cleanup at Castle Rock Flowage, and then we've got our rendezvous on the 31st. So if you're not getting these emails, that means you're not signed up, so you need to go to the BHA page. Make sure your membership is up to date. Your email is in there, and you'll get these emails when they're happening, and follow us on social media. Enjoy the show. That's that's me. Damn. All right, back in the virtual studio for the Wisconsin Backcountry Hunters and Anglers Report. Your host, Bill Kepke, joined by Trevor and Kelly as we uh interview Britta from Pheasants Forever today. So, Kelly, Trevor, thanks for joining me. Anything for you, Bill. Damn. Anything for you, Bill. Yes, there it is. Kelly, let's just start. Let's give everybody what, they, what they're really here for. What, what hat are you wearing? Pheasants Forever hat. Uh, Got to represent for, with Britta, uh, and we will talk more with Britta about the organization that is Pheasants Forever. But, yeah, of course, Pheasants Forever hat this week, given our guest. Bam! Perfect. Uh, Trevor, what's going? What's going on right now, man? What are we? What's <laughs> well, the, the what's the policy situation right now? It's not a it's not a huge one. Uh, the budget was approved with uh, after nine hours of debate, I think, uh, on the Senate floor, and is in the hands of the governor now. So, I whether or not he line item vetoes, vetoes the entirety of it, or just signs it is uh, only in Tony's brain currently. But uh, there wasn't very much talk on the floor about the, uh, the uh, stewardship initiatives. It's all just gone through with the rubber stamp from finance committee. And now that the uh, budget side of the state house, the uh, senators and representatives are on vacation till October. So uh, it'll be quiet for a while. Uh, any policy conversations will be opinions over beers from here on out. I mean, not that I'm against that, but. Uh, yeah, no, no, wow. not, a not a statement of uh, 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 anything, but yeah, that's what it'll be. Yeah, fair enough. Well, where's everybody at with Hike to Hunt? Kelly, it's been a, it's been a hot minute. What's, what's going on there? Gut pile gals still in the lead? Totally crushing it in the lead. And I was trying to pull up what the results are right now, but uh, I don't know if I remember how to get there. And here's where I'm going to rib. We got to do our, we haven't ribbed land in a, in a while. So land, because you never listen to this. Uh, I don't like the app and I don't know how to find the results on the website. So, but we are crushing it, of course. I mean, I think we're like 600 miles in front of everybody, but there's no there's no limit to your number of team members. So we just stack the deck totally uh, and have some ladies that just go real hardcore biking, running, paddling. So I need to add my mileage from Boundary Waters. That was my big, gonna be my big addition, big in that. <laughs> I don't think we actually got that many miles. We don't do a lot of, we don't do a lot of the uh, typical, uh, what would you call that uh circle routes or you know we don't like we don't uh portage every day and set up camp in a different spot every day we base camps which reduces your miles but i think increases your level of fun so take that as a pro tip uh and i need and i didn't have any device on me when i was out there that was going to track my mileage that wasn't going to like run out of battery when i was out there plus on top of it you know you're like trying to reduce your technological impact or interaction while you're 
out in the wilderness. So I, I don't know how many miles we got, but, and, but we will add them and we'll still crush it. So, and if you know, if you ever listen to this, if somebody else from some other team is out there listening to this besides Bill's team, cause I know that your team exists. Anybody else, like, I would love to hear from these other teams looking at the leaderboard and being like, who are these gut pile gals? Like, can we hang out? I mean, yes, let's hang out. Uh, please get in touch with us and <laughs> tell us what you think about, tell us what you think about us crushing it on the hike hunt. So that's my story. Uh, Bill, your team, I don't know, is it just you rolling in circles or what's the deal? <laughs> Hey, you, you may have stacked your team, but I'm pretty sure there's still people on my team that haven't logged any miles yet. Uh, Tre Trevor, Ryan, and I were just chipping away. Joe's, Joe's uh, chipped in as well. You you gals are absurdly ahead. <laughs> I'm looking at it right now. Uh, you have 1,330 miles, and yeah. the next closest team has 600. And, and yeah. that is not us. I will not say how yeah. many miles we have. I will um, say though, I think the next team, that public trust team, it's like four people. And so they're, they are crushing it. I mean, we have like half a dozen easy, more than half a dozen. So this is why I, there's no rules, right? Like, I don't understand, but we're into it. If we, if we were in a real race, <laughs> yeah. you would be, you would be states away from us right now. <laughs> You'd be like so in we, a different time zone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. It's a good way to get outside. Good, good way to encourage everybody to get outside. If you haven't found the uh, Cheers part of the awful app, I encourage you to at least use the Cheers part. That's fun. Um, yeah, I did this past weekend. I know I sent Bill some pictures. I was floating down the Yahara River in Madison in a tube, and apparently I was going so slow that I kept getting that like no, no progress detected. <laughs> <laughs> mentioned well, from that lady a... and then ultimately she just cuts you off she's like no you're not moving we can't log any of this you're done like your route's <laughs> done and so i got to the end of the float and i and it was like the app had thought i was done because i had never moved and, but i had i had moved like a mile well there and hasn't was... been a lot of rain it's not your fault not a lot of rain <laughs> right. slow current real slow well, and then there were so many boaters like in there like and uh, we did get asked to move out of the way i'm like i i can't steer this tube <laughs> so sorry you and your you and your motor need to move around please anyway my apologies to whoever listens to this and is like if that was your boat sorry i, I did my best but nobody listens to this the cheers feed <laughs> that's not true i was just looking at the numbers we're it, it, every episode's been growing there we so go. it's about getting more more people informed about wisconsin public lands and just how awful the uh hike town app is so Hey, it is bad. I agree. <laughs> Trevor, have I randomly cheers you yet? I need to do that. Like while you're, uh, <laughs> yeah, no comment, but no, you haven't. I guess <laughs> oh, I won't take that as a, one. yeah, I won't take that as a statement about me. Just a statement about how busy Bill is. <sighs> no, I just need to cheers you now. I'm too busy sending me ridiculous. Cheers. Yeah. I'm not even moving and there's no progress detected and he sends me a cheer. I'm like, yo, good job. <laughs> It's the best. The cheers feature is That's the, the redeeming end. quality. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, speaking about excuses as to getting outside and exploring, that's a that's a great transition. A to, right? Great segue to our guest today, Kelly. Who do, who do we have today? We are lucky that uh, Miss Britta Peterson from Pheasants Forever is going to be chatting with us today, and we want to talk to Britta about. Pheasants Forever as one of our top conservation non-government organizations with a footprint in the state and also about what it means to be a farm bill biologist and Britta's got some great events lined up starting over this weekend is the first one over this weekend Britta right and and just in general Britta's been rocking it trying to set up more events for women in the outdoors um, under sort of the umbrella of the R3 movement so Britta thanks for joining us today. Hey, you bet. Happy to be here. Britta and I go back a little bit. Britta and I were in uh, school together at good old University of Wisconsin Stevens Point back. We won't tell you when because we're starting to feel really old now. And I will say, <laughs> I will say though, Britta was a star basketball player for UWSP. She won't admit it. She's getting inducted <laughs> into the Hall of Fame this fall. So congrats to Britta. Hey, Conservation thanks. and basketball rock star. <laughs> uh, and, and can... And can keep up with Bill talking about sports medicine, even though Bill seems to think that he's got this 
he's got an ego on the sports medicine stuff, but whatever. So, uh, Britta, super, super pumped that you're, that you're joining us tonight. And yeah, you've, how long have you worked for Pheasants Forever? I can't remember. Two and a half years. Two and a half years. And where do you work out of? I am based in Richland Center and I am, uh, I cover the Southwest nine counties. The Farm Bill Biologists in this state, um, and I, you can give some more context and background on Farm Bill Biologists, Britta, but to me, they are, they are the workhorses of private lands conservation in the state, and they don't get enough credit for that. We have a variety of other private lands programs, but you guys are doing the lion's share, always have, and uh, are, to me, making some of the greatest impacts out there, whether or not it's habitat work or, um, you know, some of these outreach type events that you're doing. But you want to talk a little bit more about your role as a farm bill biologist, the partnership involved in the farm bill biologist position? Yeah, you bet. Um, so um, I guess I'll just maybe start with just getting a little background on our team, um, just to give you a, a brief overview. We've got um, seven farm bill biologists, and then we have two precision agricultural specialists, one wetland specialist, um, our, our uh, state representative who works with our Pheasants Forever chapters, and then our uh, state coordinator. So there's a handful of folks there and uh, I can't say enough good things about our team. It's a lot of really dedicated, passionate um, wildlife and habitat folks. Um, but so our, our farm bill biologists, uh, there's seven of us and we cover uh, technically all the counties in, in Wisconsin. We spend more time in, in some counties than in others, um, but uh, we are funded mostly by the Natural Resource Conservation Service um, but we are also funded by the Wisconsin DNR and then our Pheasants Forever chapters kick in. So it's kind of a joint partnership between all those entities uh, to create the farm bill biologist position. Right on. Uh, and I think maybe let's give some context, Britta, about farm bill. That might be, you know, a, a term that people are not familiar with. Um, and I'm sure you give this uh, elevator speech a lot more than me, but um, you know, this is a, this is one of the, is the largest conservation policy legislation in this country that does private lands conservation. So do you want to talk a little bit more about that? Sure. Yeah, the farm bill is humongous. Um, and so it covers a lot of different things. Um, and, and our part is that, yeah, it, it funds a lot of different conservation programs. And so um, every five years it gets, uh, hopefully passed and so it kind of gets changed through those uh, those renewings. Um, but generally speaking, uh, our role as a farm bill biologist is to work with private landowners and help navigate the intricacies of the farm bill and those programs. It can get uh, kind of complicated for uh, folks looking to use cost sharing and funding to do habitat work on their property and so that's where we come in is we try to help them reach their habitat goals with uh, being able to provide that, um, that knowledge and expertise of those programs and the habitat uh, for, the, um, for the programs. Yeah, so folks, if, they're from, if you're familiar with things like conservation reserve program, um, uh, wetland reserve easements now, um, formerly called wetland reserve program or WRP, if you've heard of something called EQIP, um, yeah, maybe, EQIP's our big one, or I yeah. shouldn't say big one, but it's a environmental quality incentives program, which gets utilized a lot. So that's a it's a, a handy one. Yeah, and for the most part, Britta, is it fair to say you are you are working with um, agricultural producers, but to some extent, recreational landowners as well. There are opportunities for cost share for people that um, have productive forest land and not necessarily row crop land, right? Yeah, I would say it kind of varies a little bit, honestly, in, in the state as far as, you know, who's working with who and, and um, opportunities there. I feel like um, here in the Driftless where I'm at, I probably work like 50% actually with uh, um, just recreational land users uh, and producers. Um, but uh, it, it does vary. But I think that, you know, generally there's opportunities, whether it's an egg setting or a forest landowner, or um, there's just a lot of opportunities, no matter what kind of habitat you have. And what you're looking to do. Yeah, I would say if you if you are a landowner of any kind in the state of Wisconsin, generally, I mean, the first if you're if you'd be asking me who to reach out to for technical assistance related to habitat and cost share programs, I'm probably going to point you in the direction of a farm biologist in the state. And then they can they're so knowledgeable about the other programs and 
and entities that are doing private lands conservation um, that they can point you in those directions too. So a huge asset and uh, we've had Farmville biologists in Wisconsin, I think pretty much since the beginning, pretty much since the beginning that that was a concept. Um, yeah. So we have a pretty proud legacy, I would say here of that involvement and Pheasants Forever having a strong showing in the, in the private lands realm. Yeah, for sure. And I think that we're lucky here in Wisconsin and that we, we kind of have a small team uh, compared to some of the other more prairie focused states. But I think that because we're a little smaller and we actually have some, some tenured folks that uh, we're a pretty tight team and um, just a lot of just really knowledgeable and passionate folks. So pretty much wherever you are in the state, you have a good farm by farm bill biologist that you can turn to. Yeah. So Britt and I were chatting a little bit this morning too. There's a whole, there's a variety of components to British job beyond the habitat stuff and the federal paperwork that goes along with delivering farm bill programs. You do a ton of outreach. I mean, you're you said you're talking on the radio tomorrow um, and do it and you have some other presentations. And in addition, you know, one of the, one of the reasons that uh, Bill reached out to the uh, farm bill biologist was wanting to talk about and promote the habitat blocks that you have coming up. So if you want to talk about how Pheasants Forever is engaging with R3 and how that sort of has evolved into um, Women on the Wing and um, the other women-focused events that you're involved with with PF. Yeah, you bet. Um, so our state coordinator, Marty, is actually also partially R3. Um, so he kind of has that role uh, for, for kind of the whole state. And so he kind of does a lot of different different things um, uh, across the entire year. He's doing some uh, small mammal hunting and whitetail hunting as part of a natural resource foundation field trip. So he's doing R3 efforts all over the place. Um, but then a couple years ago, uh, the ladies on our, our uh, Wisconsin PF team here uh, started doing some uh, women caring for the land events. And so that has kind of snowballed into doing a little more outreach uh, spe specifically for women's focused um, events. And so uh, I think over the last several years, we've uh, the Wisconsin PF team has done about 15 women caring for the land events. And so had about 350 women landowners come to these events talking about habitat and their opportunities they have to create habitat on their property. Um, and so we're trying to grow that a little bit. That's kind of that outreach focus and, and kind of targeting some of our um, agricultural producers, our women landowners. Um, but we also, our team, uh, the ladies on our team and, and the guys too, um, are, are definitely trying to look to, to broaden that out a little bit and do a little more um, women's focused, um, some hunting events or shooting um, and get them kind of broaden that out a little bit. And so, um, but still keeping that, uh, that space open for habitat and wildlife work, which we like to do. And so this is kind of where our, our habitat hikes uh, kind of evolved. And so we're hosting three different women's habitat hikes here next week. Um, just hoping to get ladies out um, to, chat and take a walk hike with our lady biologists and uh, start a conversation. Whether it's about hunting and fishing, uh, the habitat, the plants, uh, insects, pollinators, whatever we're seeing out there, whatever they have questions about, um, we're trying to just be there to, to start that conversation and get it going. So Britta, if folks are interested in coming, do they need to RSVP? Can they just show up or how? I, I know I've seen some of your Facebook posts yep. up to this point. There about, is, a, about there is an event them. an event on Facebook, but really it's just you can show up. Uh, you don't have to RSVP. It's kind of just meant to be. If it works out for you to come, please just come join us. Um, and that's, uh, you know, kind of kind of loose, but just hoping to, to have folks that can can come from wherever and just join when they can. Yeah. There's, there, I think this is a pretty prevalent question when, you know, folks like us, you and I, Britta, have come up with these women-focused events as why women, you know, why are we targeting women in particular, and um, that, that has certainly been part of the evolution of conversation that's happened on these, in these women-focused events in PF. Um, so why do you think it's important, you as a as a female identifying biologist, as uh, you know, somebody who also is who also hunts, who is a great botanist, um, loves getting outside to identify things in the natural environment. Why is it important to you to have these women-focused events? Um, I think I've always felt it, but I didn't recognize it how important it is for uh, women to have the opportunity to learn from other women. 
Um, when I joined PF and we started doing some of these Women Caring for the Land events, then the initial part of that day is to do this learning circle where everybody sits down together and you tell a little background about yourself. And um, it was really amazing to me how it was, you could just watch those ladies open up and how they were so comfortable being with a group of other women. And it is, you know, the research shows that that's the case that women generally learn better from other women. And so, um, you know, knowing that, uh, that that's the case, I mean, that's, that's important for me too. again, like I said, just, just seeing it um, and, and knowing that, that uh, we have that space and we can make that, uh, everybody can, can feel comfortable and know they're gonna learn from somebody that they feel comfortable uh, with. Um, and definitely too, I think, especially in, in kind of in my work when I'm dealing with landowners who a lot of times are producers and farmers who, some, you know, a lot of times are men, but in these cases where it's our, like our women caring for the land events, I mean, you had all these women producers. And so seeing each other, knowing that there's this other, this whole group of other women that are interested in the same things, that they aren't them by themselves, they aren't all alone. And so I think that's really important. Um, you know, and even I'd say too, that just as a, as a professional, I continue to be uh, just so thankful and amazed by the other biologists on our PF team, how smart and how dedicated and passionate they are and how knowledgeable. And so even I still absolutely all the time love learning from those, from those ladies and, and feel exactly that same way. Bill and Trevor, I'm dominating the conversation here and I'll keep doing it until you tell me to stop. But uh, Britta's leading the hike at, is it, are you going to the TNC property Spring Green Britta or where are you going? Yep, yep, the Spring Green Preserve. Yep, there's just the one parking lot there, um, just uh, just kind of northeast of town there. And it's a great property. So if anybody's yeah, give, in the Spring Green give area. Give folks a teaser, give folks a teaser of what they can expect to see out there. What you're it's Wisconsin's for. desert. So you'll see plant species and animal species you won't see anywhere else uh, in the state. And uh, I think we can maybe see some prickly pear cactus are blooming potentially. So, so that's really exciting. Um, and uh, it's a it's a pretty good, good cliff. And so you get a little bit of flat and then you get a little bit of a hike and get a good view at the top. So I'm pretty pumped. Britt has been trying to get me to go hike at Spring Green with her all this year and we haven't worked <laughs> it out yet, but. Yeah, sweet property. I mean, when you're going, when you're coming into spring, right, when you're coming into spring green, all of a sudden you see this pretty open bluff face um, and you're like, wow, what is that? That looks so different than everything else. That's the spring green preserve. So. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Just the sheer face, rock face uh, with, uh, yeah, like I said, and there's, it's sandy. I mean, you, it's, it really is a desert. So you won't see these species anywhere else. So it's awesome. Yeah. What, why is it a, desert why is it so sandy like what's the geology I know that you're obviously close to the Wisconsin River does that have something to do with it or is it just yeah, sandy I, soil right um well I should have done my geo geology uh, lesson I guess a little uh, ahead of time to prep for this question I guess but I think that it was uh, the like the glacial lake Wisconsin that dumped a bunch of sand kind of right along those bluffs right there I think Someone can correct me if I'm inaccurate, um, but also what? just the, um, yeah, just the, that sheer rock face too is, is open and just presents a lot of different micro climates and habitats. So you just get a lot of different species and small, small chunks and small areas. So um, that's about what I know. Yeah. No, that follows. Is it, so is it like, uh, is it like rolling dunes or is it sandy ground I mean what is it what does it kind of look like yep you walk in and it's it's actually pretty flat with a lot of sand and a little blue stem and some scrubby oaks and then it's all open uh they've been burning it I think they burn it pretty consistently um on the the bluff face and so uh it's fairly open um but you can see a lot of different plant species and they generally um generally kind of like you to stay right on the trail because it's really fragile habitat up Kind of as you go up the bluff but um you can walk along the the base of the bluff and then you go actually around the backside. so you go in through kind of the oak scrubby habitat and through some of the deciduous forest and then when you get up on top again you're in a different kind of a different climate up at the top so there's way different plant species just right there on the ridge line so it's really unique so there are plants there that are nowhere else in the state obviously the the cactus is is one of them right 
Right, yeah. And I think there's like uh, like six of the state's beetles are only found right there too. So Bigger beetles, I saw that, right, yeah. Right, if you're a bug nerd, then this is a place for you too. <laughs> What's interesting about that spot too is, uh, I mean, about when you go to these uh, restored bluff ecosystems is that we have plenty of private landowners that have bluffs systems that are overrun by red cedar, right, Britta, and, um, you know, some other more aggressive, either natives or non-natives. And so there are lots of opportunities in the drift list to be restoring, maybe not something as unique as spring green, but lots of opportunities to be restoring open habitats on these bluff bases, right? Yeah. And I think the biggest thing there is, is I guess when I talk to landowners, it's starting at kind of figuring out what you have. Because I think, you know, since I know the habitats and know what kind of should or could be there or, you know, that kind of thing when I'm driving around, I think, oh, there's a bluff prairie or there's a remnant oak savanna or that type of thing. But, you know, if you don't know what you have, then, um, then that's, it's kind of hard to know that. But once you kind of figure out what could be there and what your habitat should be, then uh, that's kind of where the farm bill biologist comes in is we can help get you to that place if you're, if you're a landowner. Um, or if you just want to know more, we can do that too. Yeah, and I hope people that show up at your hike, Britta, as are, the women are confident then that if they have this, if they're a landowner that has been thinking about this or, or recreate on a property that has habitats like this, they can start to recognize some of those, some of those activities maybe that they could suggest or that they could do themselves. Um, what's always interesting to me too, and what we've talked about, we talked about this last year, uh, was how some of the some of the activities and management activities that we might be suggesting in a place like a like a bluff place, like you know, getting your chainsaw and cutting cedar, can be super intimidating for women. And right, so promoting promoting that activity as as a community of women and suggesting ways that you can get trained and familiar with that equipment is also something that I think could be you know hopefully brought into these hikes. And if I get a chance, I'm going to show up and, and I'll do that and I'll suggest these same things. But and yeah. I know we have we have friends and partners, colleagues that are that are thinking right along that same track of, you know, we want to help women landowners learn the skills of how to manage these habitats. Yeah, and I'd say too that the the hike that's going on the same time as mine up uh, in Wapaka County, um, they're actually uh, hiking at a, a, a women's uh, landowner, her property. She's done work through a, a farm mill program to do some restoration. She has a prairie, and so that's where they're uh, doing their hike at. So there's enough space to do a hike, but they're hoping to kind of talk about some of the restoration efforts, uh, the pros and cons and the, the hard hard things and failures and the successes. So I think that's uh, that that's going to be a great hike as well. So Bill, I'm going to loop you in here. I was just thinking about, uh, Britta's talking about all these cool habitats and different things that she's doing on private lands working for an organization called Pheasants Forever, but they know themselves, they brought, they brand themselves as the habitat organization. So clearly they do more, do things for more than just ditch chickens. Um, how does this, how does this land with you as somebody who definitely chases ditch chickens? And I don't know if you have a, if you have a Pheasants Forever membership or not, but I, I know you to be a person who, who um, thinks a lot about pheasants. And so how do you, how do you feel about an organization like PF, um, doing all of this varied habitat work. <laughs> so first off, uh, my dog chases ditch chickens and I just follow him. You've seen him at work. He's, he's a crackhead for birds. I'm, I love that they're the PF. I do have a membership. So just throwing that out there. Um, I'm more interested in potentially what they can do to help like the prairie chicken or the sharp-tailed grouse in Wisconsin. Um, I'll chase, I'll chase the, uh, the uh, put and take birds here in some pretty cool public land spots. Um, but I'm, I'm more thankful just for kind of what we've been talking about through this whole episode about what PF does for, landowners that are interested in potentially returning their properties to uh, what it should look like more naturally or um, programs that allow a landowner to not clear cut an area or put in row crops or put it or you know sell and develop 
develop their properties. So I'm interested in anything that preserves that land. So most of these properties are butting up against, or, you know, not most, but a lot of them will butt up against public property and which is where I'm hunting, recreating. If we have more, um, natural areas across the state between private and public, I can't think of that as a bad thing. So I guess from the, from the average hunter standpoint, that's where I'm at. And then also, is it Dick Sissel? Is that the, the bird name? I, I, <laughs> that, that, uh, so random. Yes. That's, no, it's not. It's, I'm reading the description of the the uh, Spring Green property, oh, and oh. Uh, the Dick Sissel bird is mentioned like within the first couple sentences. So, I uh, I bug Kelly for bird information any chance I get, even when she's <laughs> off the clock. <laughs> so, what's going on with this bird, Kelly? It looks really cool. Uh, it's got an awesome name. They're a cool bird, um, and yeah, you should see them at Spring Green, right, Britta? I'm sure they're. I mean, we're getting we're getting now to the point where if you want to do birding, it gets a little bit more difficult. Things are things get really quiet once they start having fledglings. They hit once they start having young birds. But Dick Sissel is I is it a is it a state is it a state special concern species? I think is what it is, Britta, um, in yeah. Wisconsin. Right. I think yeah. Yep. Yeah. So. Uh, uh, I, I guess I'll talk a little bit about birds, but just from a bird nerd standpoint, not because that's what I do for my day job, but uh, the, a, a dick sissel is unique in that they're one of our only songbirds, one of our only grassland songbirds especially, that actually migrates all the way to South America in the wintertime. That's a very long journey for a bird that's very small. <laughs> and uh, we, they, they are what we would call eruptive in their, in their migratory habits on the breeding grounds and that they, um, they move quite a bit during the breeding season, depending on climate conditions. And so some years in Wisconsin, we might not actually have a ton of them in the state. And some years we might have a whole bunch of them, depending on what's happening over in the prairies. So they can make these big movements during the breeding season if they don't like the climate conditions of where they first end up after their journey from South America. Although it seems to me anecdotally, and there's probably some data to support this, that we're getting, we're getting them a lot more regularly in Wisconsin. Um, I've heard them everywhere this year. I don't know, Britta, if you, if you feel the same. I've heard them everywhere, but I feel like it's sort of been like that frequently, and that's not necessarily how it used to be. So it can be very much related to droughts in the West, and then they'll push up into our geography. They're one of our last arriving, they are the last arriving grassland bird that we have. They generally show up in big numbers in June, whereas depending on the other grassland dependent songbird you're talking about, they're here anywhere between March to May already starting to nest, um, but dick sissels show up kind of late. And they're a little bit of a generalist. I mean, you can find them in roadside ditches, you can find them in grass waterways and people's agricultural fields. Um, and then you can find them in quality grasslands too. So they're kind of, to me, they look like a miniature Eastern meadowlark. They have that black bib and uh, yellow on the breast and chestnuts on the shoulders. And they have a very unique song that they throw their headway back to sing. And so just a fun bird to see out there. That's the story of the dick sissel. I'm going to I'm going to play the I don't know if the three of you'll be able, be able to hear it but I can play the the sound. All right, let me pull it up. Oh, oh there it goes. Yeah, they like th really throw their head head back. Let's see if it plays. Everybody listening should be able to hear it. I don't know I I don't know if it'll play through Zoom though. Did you get to hear that, Kelly? Yeah, I feel like that's kind of, I don't know where you got the recording from. It's a little bit obscured in that in that whole soundscape mix. It's off the uh, Cornell Lab. Is it? Yep. They that's, one of, that's one of their, that one is not as, uh, it's not as obvious to me in that recording, which one's which, but uh, they are called Dick Sissel because that's like a uh, mnemonic for how their song sounds. So they would say, they sing Dick Sizzle, 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 or you know, some iteration of that. Uh, and we were talking about, was it, were you with us, Britta, when we were talking about with some other folks one day if, um, I don't, I am not a bird, I'm not a bird song expert, so I don't know the difference, I don't know which birds like learn their songs by hearing them or if it's innate, but uh, Dick Sizzles have some variations on their song and we were talking about, because some of them don't sound like Dick Sizzle. <laughs> 
And so we were talking about whether that's learned or, you know, these are the mysteries of birds that we have yet to discover. Like maybe there's certain populations that have a very, they learn the song from each other. And so if you can identify, if you hear one of their songs, maybe it's because they came from a certain geography and you hear a different one, maybe it's because they're from a different geography. Those are the kinds of things that we don't, that we don't really know about these birds. I mean, you People always think that I have a very specific idea of where a Dixis of Wisconsin goes, lives most of its life. I have no idea. I mean, they, we don't know where those birds came from, really. Um, I mean, if, it's most likely that their first landing spot was not Wisconsin for the year, uh, to, for their, you know, in the breeding season, that they landed somewhere else and then moved. And, um, you know, where they actually go in the wintertime. South America is, surprise, a big geography, but like, <laughs> you know we know which countries they go to um and actually in in south america the dick thistles are big uh uh agricultural uh pests so they are poisoned and shot um in south america so uh and along with some other species that uh that are an agricultural pest so um it, the protections of for birds in general across the world are very different than what we have here in the united states but anyway Keep going now that you want to keep going on the bird rabbit hole. Uh, uh, that 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 was great. <laughs> I, I learned a lot about the dick thistle right there. That's that's. It's, I forgot my third point. I was distracted by the dick thistle. Um, yeah. Oh, Britta, I know what I was going to ask you. Britta, do you hunt at all? Uh, you bet. Yep. Yep. What do you hunt? Um, deer, I'm an archery and, and gun hunter and uh, waterfowl hunter and uh, upland, upland birds, turkeys and pheasants and grouse. Um, nice. Do you have a dog? Yeah. I don't have a dog. I will get one uh, at some point, but uh, you know, just uh, hasn't been quite right yet. So that's fair. Um, Do you, you grouse hunt without a dog? I most of the time grouse hunting, I guess I'm uh, at my folks place up in northwestern Wisconsin. So um, my our family dog that uh, I still kind of consider mine partially. So uh, Millie comes with uh, on those hunts. So Millie flushes Millie flushes a grouse. You know, she's she's kind of a dummy, but she can do it. So, um, you know, I think it surprises her just as much as it does me. But, uh, <laughs> you know, and it just bombs around, but we'll say that she's flushing them. So I like it. So I guess with all of the, the craziness of the last year and a half, and you mentioned being part of R3 and that being a, a motivator for this habitat hike series, I guess, what are, what are your thoughts on R3? Like what, what are you looking to accomplish with this? Um, I think that, uh, I guess a couple of things. Um, I mean, I, I feel very fortunate that I grew up and have the knowledge uh, with, with hunting. Um, but I, you know, recognize that, uh, there's a lot of folks out there and especially women that are looking to get into it, but don't know how. And so that's kind of where I am coming from is that I feel like I have the knowledge, so I want to share it. Um, I also have a, you know, a good friend, um, of mine that, inspires me all the time because I, I she was roommates with me in college and um she just decided that she wanted to learn how to hunt and so now her and her husband have just gone you know just learned it all and figured it out and so they attended a couple of different events uh in, over the years and some of those you know really helped a lot uh, they said and and so just being able to to hear that uh experience from from a good friend of mine and know that those types of things do help um and uh I just want to continue those on and, and um, again, like I said too before, with just our, our events, again, learning, women learning from other women. And so being comfortable, especially that you're, like say, if you're not familiar with uh, with guns, then maybe that can be pretty intimidating if you're getting taught by a big burly guy, uh, you know, trying to, to learn for your first time, but maybe it would be more comfortable um, if, it, if it's another woman. And so that's where I'm kind of trying to want to make that that space where everybody feels they can learn and, and um, continue on uh, with the hunting um, tradition. That was kind of a rambling answer, so sorry about that, but. It makes a lot of sense. Uh, as a young man growing up, uh, I learned about most things from other men through uh, ridicule and shame. So it's much better. I know that my uh, my fiance would not respond real well to ridicule and shame as a teaching method. So I'm sure 
it is much better to have uh, women teaching women. <laughs> I, I will second that, Trevor. <laughs> uh, I think Britta, Britta and I, for the most part, learn from men. I, I, right, Britta? I mean, you, you mostly had men in your family that were hunting that you learned from, and I would say the same. And I would say that there was some level of ridicule, I think, that we sustained. Uh, but probably I, deserved. So it's, you know, it's <laughs> totally fine. Britta's all into that tough love. <laughs> Uh, I mean, we had, I think we had pretty similar experiences, though. we had, we had male mentors that were super welcoming and never made us feel any different uh, about, about being out there. I mean, we, we grew up in, I, I, I think pretty safe spaces and you can, don't let me tell your story, Britta, but I, you know, I've talked about this on this, on the podcast last year. I didn't, I didn't really start realizing some of the biases and hurdles until I was older because I grew up with male mentors that were really welcoming and never made me feel any different. So um, I'd say we're we're on the same page and wanting to give back in a way that uh, provides that space to folks that haven't had the same experience we did growing up. They haven't had a safe a safer welcoming environment, and now that we recognize it, we we want to be able to contribute in some other way. Yeah, I totally agree with that, Kelly. Yep. <laughs> what else we got, Bill? Uh, I think we about covered, we covered the events, we covered Pheasants uh, Forever in general, we covered the crucial work that Britta and her team are doing. And, I, and I'll say too, um, the Farm Biologist team is pretty diverse in their, from an R3 standpoint, uh, you know, they've got the women that are participating in these events um, have a variety of experiences in the, in the hunting realm and um, in, um, for recreation so i think that again that britta britta says she has a great team and she does it's recognized by people outside of her outside her organization so definitely come to these events um there's so much to learn i've watched the pf biologists do things like this and i as a person who works in conservation constantly learn from them so come hang out um especially if you're especially if you're interested in doing habitat work on property that you recreate on, or if you happen to own property, or even if you're interested in knowing more about what the native communities and plants are around you when you're recreating a public land, here's a great opportunity uh, to learn from some of the best about what you're seeing and become a knowledgeable sports person and uh, talk to some really cool people. So yeah, I think we've covered up, we've covered, we've hit all, hit all your high points, Bill. We nailed it, crushed it. I so. One thing I want to ask Trevor about, and then the two of you can definitely chime in. Trevor, what's the the newhunter.org thing I saw you yeah. today? Explain. Because yeah. R3, like typically Wisconsin BHA works with the DNR for R3, like learn to hunt, blah, 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 blah. That's all been canceled again for this year. Um, so it's left a lot of people that loved helping with that, were interested kind of not knowing what to do when it comes to helping other people in hunting, fishing, that kind of thing. So I was curious what's all in, what's involved in that, Trevor. And then obviously Britta and Kelly can give their their thoughts and ideas as people that work in the outdoor space. Yeah, um, so that newhunter.org is something that came out of the uh, Steve Ranella media machine that's out there now for Meat Eater. Um, it's a couple of guys in Kansas who, themselves were trying to get started in hunting and um, you know saw the problem that everybody sees that it's it's difficult to make connections um, so they they only launched the website it may have been last week um, so it's pretty new but yeah they just put out a call to see if anybody would be interested in mentoring which i i did respond to um, so i did a, a phone interview with them as to my ideals of like an ideal hunt and, and what I would want to teach people if I had the opportunity to have a, a mentor. And uh, they put my uh, my bio up. So I guess I, I made the cut. Originally the, the website was supposed to be, um, you had to pay for a subscription, but they decided that that wasn't really in line with their ethos uh, to begin with. They have to have to pay for access like that. So. It's 100% free. Um, you just have to go to newhunter.org and create an account, and you can see uh, all the mentors nationwide, not not just in Wisconsin. Um, 
but nationwide. So yeah, it's a really cool thing. I think it's it's early on. Their marketing looks like it it will be on point. Uh, and they've spoken about training for mentors uh, like myself uh, as we get a little closer to hunting season about actually teaching someone if you've not had the opportunity to do it in the past. Um, but yeah, they, they seem like uh, two guys who are real excited about it. They, they have a lot on their hands. Um, this is a, I mean, they're trying to do a nationwide effort out the gate so that I imagine that's that's pretty hard uh, uh, but yeah they they said the Midwest and Wisconsin especially had one of their best uh, responses in terms of people being interested in mentoring which I think uh, says good things about the Wisconsinite ethos in general cool yeah I was curious and I know Kelly and I have talked about uh, hunting mentorship breaking down those barriers because there are there are some some learn to hunt programs out there that are um you know wisconsin we've got some tiered where there's you know it could be a hundred dollars or or more maybe a little less and then there's some programs that you know are well over a thousand dollars to learn to hunt so um that can be a huge barrier to people you know already there's all the things you don't know the fear and then you tag on a or you add on a price tag that might be unapproachable for some people. So yeah, I was curious what that was all about. Yeah, hunting is like one of the greatest equalizers to turn it into a, a pay to play like class struggle thing is really, that's pretty crappy. I'm sorry, I didn't know that you that there were things out there where you had to pay a grand, that's, that's ridiculous. It's a big enough, uh, big enough lift to get into it gear wise to start with. Uh, let alone having to pay a grand just to talk to somebody. That's too bad. Well, I'm glad this thing is free. Uh, hopefully people actually do contact me. Uh, maybe I can work for tips if people are getting a grand for it. I can <laughs> tip your bartenders. Yeah, Trevor, just start charging a grand. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll give you- For I'll give access you good... to you. Yeah, right, yeah, totally worth it. Uh, I'll give you a good deal though. <laughs> I haven't heard of this website, so I will check it out. I'm not, you know, I'm not on the socials really, so uh, I haven't, I didn't see your post, Trevor, not because I don't like you because I'm not on the socials. I don't, I don't, I'm not on the socials. We're not, we're not related in any way on the socials, so. That's okay. I'll, uh, when things happen, I'll just start driving over there to tell you. Oh, yes, that sounds we're good. Very close. And there's no construction anymore, so. I do, if, Bill, if you're asking, yeah, I do. Think I like the concept, Bill. I mean, I the more ways we can invite people to connect with others that uh, to do the things that we love doing, the better. Um, I'm also glad that they decided to make it free and that uh, we've talked about that a ton. Pay to play, like, and how you know there are costs to these things. So then, who fronts the cost? You know, who who does the cost burden goes to? And I think you and I have talked about how we really don't want to see the cost burden going to the new hunter. And if there's some other way that organizations, donors can step up and say, you you know, use this for your R3 efforts so that you don't have to put any of that cost on the new hunter would be, you know, according to our ethos at least. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm glad they decided to go that way. I guess not knowing anything about, <laughs> anything about uh, who they're working for or anything like that, but um, I mean, and this is things like this, networks like this have been talked about in so many circles. You know, PF has been talking about this, I'm sure. BHA talks about this. Everybody talks about like these mentoring network circles. How do you find a mentor? You know, how do you access them? So um, I, I hope that people don't necessarily get overwhelmed by it if there's this, you know, suddenly this burgeoning amount of options to find people. Uh, I don't think that there is, but uh, it, you know, at some point maybe there would be and then uh, and that could be a little bit overwhelming, but there's, and there's more that we could do locally, boots on the ground, groups like, you know, BHA groups like Artemis, we're supposed to be doing these things. Uh, and uh, so, I don't know, we should, uh, I should ask Marsha about it, I guess, see, see if Artemis has any role. Boom. Britta, are you taking anyone else, else out hunting this year? Are you uh, mentoring anyone? 
Um, I think actually the my friend that I was talking about uh, earlier, she's not pheasant hunted before. So I think uh, December we're gonna do a, a Northwest Wisconsin hunt. So um, we'll we'll get that in uh, currently. That's that's what I got planned. So I'm excited about that. Awesome. That's yeah. Chasing chasing uh, roosters is exciting. And she gets to chase roosters, Bill, that are not planted. So. Right. They've got the real deal up there. Well, if if you need a dog up there, I'm just saying I've I, I've got one. I can I can bring him. He's <laughs> yeah, he's I good probably shouldn't dog. say it. I probably shouldn't say it all loud, but uh, Northwest Wisconsin has got a pretty good wild pheasant population, so it's a lot of fun in December, especially up there. There you go. And uh, if you need someone to, if you need references, Kelly can reference my dog. She'll speak. She'll speak for he him. Put, he put up. A, he put up quite a few birds for me. It was just a matter of Kelly connecting or not paying right. attention. Yeah, there's a lot of that inattentiveness. But uh, <laughs> we've got uh, just a quick announcement before we let everyone go. We've got the pint night next Tuesday uh, at Great Dane uh, Brewery up in Wausau, Wisconsin. We've got Ken Blumberg. Uh, he's going to be there speaking talking about his books sharing some stories from public lands in wisconsin he's he's been around a while so he's got some good stories uh then we've got the castle rock flowage river cleanup saturday the 17th uh we'll be we've got quite a few people lined up with boats and trailers and all kinds of goodies to get uh, a bunch of old duck blinds cleared up off of public land which will be a good time and then probably grab some beers afterwards and then I've got up here for people watching, if you're watching this, the Rendezvous Flyer Up, Saturday, July 31st. That's over at the Racine Instinctive Bowman Club in Racine, Wisconsin. So some events for people coming up here. Uh, hopefully see you at one or more of them. And just just like this podcast, getting the word out for conservation, public lands, and yeah, user groups here in Wisconsin. So. Britta, thanks for joining us. Trevor. You bet. But... Oh, yeah, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, if uh, if I could just do a little shameless plug for uh, anybody out there that's uh, wanting to come on a hike, we're uh, next week, July 11th, uh, and then July 13th. So if, uh, if you're a lady, come join us. Or if you are a gentleman listening and have ladies in your life that might be interested, share share the knowledge and come join us. Cool. All right. Thanks, everybody. Thank mm -hmm. you.